Alien Nation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 235. I'm not feeling so good tonight, guys. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, I got a, oh really? I got a... Well, when I was a kid, uh, we used to call it the heebie-jeebies. Yes, have you heard that term before? Yeah. I, I yes. have no idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'd never heard anyone use it before. Yeah, but I'm dedicated, and I want to I wanna paint a picture for you guys, right? I am here in my uh, little studio that I record in, and uh, I'm currently sitting in a bedside commode. I'm, I'm dedicated to this show. <laughs> Wait, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. Jeez, I threw Justin for a loop there. Wait, what? Wait, what? Like, at any point mm-hmm. during this show, you might actually be shitting. Yes. <laughs> while we talk. No. No. Have, have you set your gate appropriately? <laughs> <laughs> or are you prepared to edit? Actually, I think I got I got all that out of my system. I thought that was an ice cube. Bloop. <laughs> Bloop. Splash sound. Wrong Insert consistency. Sound. <laughs> Wrong consistency. Yeah, I was expecting it was going to be more like an explosion of chocolate pudding. Uh, kind of like you the go. you know the confetti cans. <laughs> more like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jesse. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that's right. No, I, 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 I don't feel real good, but I'm, I think I'm over it. I don't know what came over me earlier today, but I keep saying I got a lot of time on my hands, right? But I'm finding that um, I'm busier these last few weeks than I've been, uh, I mean, here around the house in a long time. I mean, what I've realized, uh, you know, driving to work, 80-mile commute, getting home late at night, leaving early in the morning, there's just a lot of shit that I neglected around here, and it's all kind of caught up to me. So oh, yeah. I realize I, do I don't do shit. <laughs> so I've been spent. I've been. That's. I, I, it's uh, like. Um, so the weather's been pretty good, and I'm like, I should go flying today. And I'm like, yeah, but I got, I got to get this done, and I got to get that done. So I really haven't been able to do any flying, but um, I've been simming, right? And wow. I've been, I've been working. I've been struggling to get um, the sensors onto my gassers. I don't know why this mm. was such a fight, but it was. I had I had one built, right? Physical space in which I have to work with. I couldn't get it to fit properly. It was either rubbing the main gear or too far away, and I had to redo the whole thing. But I got that done, and uh, we learned collectively uh, about the sensor tester. On the V control, which is a nice feature. Oh yeah, I was yeah. kind of, I was kind of thinking that's silly. They don't have that. Well, it turns out they do have that, and uh, got it all going. Um, so this week I got all that shit done, and it's Thursday night, and there's three days 
of sun and 85 degrees from tomorrow till Sunday. Oh, oh yes. I got it. I got all the domestic stuff done. Lawn, house, repairs that needed to be done. It's nothing but flying for the next three days. You're starting to sound like you're married. I, I just uh, on the lawn doing all the honeydew list stuff. Yeah, now I can go fly. Well, here's something. Here's something that uh, I know you guys are aware of because you know you know me actually, and I've hung out with you guys. But and what what is changing for me is the actual ability to actually physically do this stuff that I haven't been able to do in a long time. The activity level is increasing drastically. And uh, I I kind of owe that a little bit to the previous job because it kind of got me moving around, but I kind of took it one step further um, when I got laid off <laughs> to, to, to actually do something more. And just that, that extra, that little bit of extra exercise just in the last few days is just, I, I've noticed it uh, tremendously. The energy level is increasing drastically. So, it's nice. It's a good thing. You know, I want to get out and uh, get some flying in, get ready to head over to uh, Nick's in a week and a half or so and uh, get ready to come back to Dieter's event. But uh, we are, we've got the pretty much the final, I guess, parts ordered and ready for the 570. And uh, I got everything ordered that I need to finish the PL8 charging case nick and i are going to work on that yep and uh gonna get set up you know i was thinking about that bump charging and i was like yeah it's cool but i don't really have a lot of batteries i was kind of thinking that i was just gonna kind of not use it maybe figure out something else to do with it um but i decided i'm going to so we're going to set that up for the four batteries that i used time to start bumping all my all receiver, receiver packs, packs right <laughs> yeah. It's no, two receiver Man. packs and two pipe packs. You're going to double the weight of the receiver packs, Dan, by putting bump tags on there. Ooh. <laughs> Good it's point. just time to start doing stuff. There's a we don't need very very little in this hobby, but yeah, I would agree with that. It's time to start uh, dabbling in the the nicenesses and the the accessories and the just <laughs> nicenesses. You like that? just oh, you know because I can. This reminds me of a story from a couple weekends ago that I did not bring up in the previous shows. And Dan and Nick were out there. And it goes perfectly along with, you know, just because you can. So believe it or not, I actually got in trouble for getting new chargers <laughs> out, at, right. out at the field. Because uh, you know, th- this goes with, we don't need very much. I'm still using my old ass, you know, eye chargers, whatever. They, they freaking work great. So leave me alone. But... Kayla's looking at my charging case and she was out the field looking at my charging case and she's like, you got new chargers. I'm like, no, I didn't. She's like, these are brown. Your old ones were black. I'm like, yeah, that's how old my freaking chargers are. (laughs) (laughs) They've now turned brown. Well, you you guys know how those eye chargers sit in the sun for that long. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, we don't need much, but we like the, you know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I mean, I have it. What what else would I do with? It? Yeah, so I might as well use. It. So I, I think I think once you do it, you're just going to freaking love it. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. think so too. And uh, one other thing I found, uh, of course, I actually mentioned at Othello, I believe. I think I mentioned it to somebody. I don't remember who that 
but I think uh, the 270 had a fuel leak in the yep. tank. Did I? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's been hanging up uh, in the trailer, and I pulled it down the other day, a few days ago, to start working on this governor sensor, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, and I'm, I grab underneath the boom, and I pull my hand out, and it's like, what in the hell? My, my hand's blue. I mean, because that, that fuel's blue, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of a bluish green color. Yeah, the AMS oil is blue. So I, I was like, what in the shit? So I look underneath. I didn't, dude, I had a Old Faithful, apparently, because there was fuel <laughs> upside and down. I had to take a shit ton of stuff apart. Was there the tank any out. fuel left in the tank? There was zero fuel left in the oh. tank. Oh jeez! Oh, it looked like a it looked and like the a tank river. Dude is like at the front it's, of the hell. Yeah, yeah. It ran all the way down through everything. Oh, uh, luckily, the no. electronics are on the. Luckily, it ran down on the bottom side. So, mm-hmm. uh, but there was like a river of uh, dried fuel. So I got that all sorted out, and I pulled the tank out, and uh, sure enough, got a. Oh, I hate to admit this. But uh, Austin was right. I don't know if you guys heard me at the at Othello. Got into a. He was telling me, "Oh, you can't use that brown stopper, man. Not on gas." He was right. What brown, brown stopper? stopper. It. But you got to put. Um, uh, shit. So you know where the on shit. The, that's exactly what I figured you were yeah. talking about. <laughs> it's brown. I can't use that the kind brown of brown stopper, stopper Dan. Yeah, it's, the fuel unless you right through the shit. <laughs> I can't. It's like a Gropner tank, right? So uh, it's uh, there's a big round hole where you would put your clunk line through and shit. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. There's you don't need that with a gasser. You put your own fittings in. So it's just the stopper that uh, oh, kind of plugs that you. big round hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got you. So it's I think it was leaking from that, and I also think that the fitting uh, on the bottom side that uh, is the clunk line uh, intake side uh i think that fitting was a little loose which um was really hard to tight because you can't get mm. back in behind it to hold it while you're tightening tightening it you can't squeeze the nipple real hard right <laughs> because, no one likes that can because you don't you don't want to disform you it, want you know? to but you you're not gentle, allowed though. to <laughs> sorry yeah so i yep. I, I don't know if this helped i don't think it hurt but uh i cleaned it up all the tank up really well and uh tightened it as best i could and then uh around that uh fitting that goes to the intake side of the tank the clunk line on the outside i just put a little bit of gasket material in there i mean i don't know if it'll help or not but i figured what the hell? It's out. I might as well. So, and I got it all back together, and she's ready to roll. And then uh, all we got to do now is fix, uh, finish the sensor on the uh, three hundred, which uh, we're going to do that over in Washington, and uh, get some uh, stick time in. I'm ready to tune one. And what weekend? When are you coming over again, Dan? I think I'm going to head over like uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, which would be like the fourteenth or the fifteenth. Okay. Yep. Yep. So it'll be that weekend, and then, um, so I'll probably be there like Wednesday or Thursday that weekend, and then leave probably Thursday morning or Wednesday night uh, to head, head over to Dieter's. Dieter's Fun Fly. Okay. Yeah. With you. And then uh, head back home. 
about it. Sweet. Not a whole lot going on. True. A lot of stuff around the house. Not a lot of flying. Simming. I am getting addicted to the sim. I just... Whoa, uh, what? <laughs> it's just, all a phase. Dude, once you start... I don't, I don't know how to explain once it. Once you start I, progressing, it's like you just want to keep doing it. it it's guess. actually fun. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Just admit it. Just, know. you know... Fun. Fun might ride, be a little bit ride of it for now, Dan, but don't get too worked up about it when you stop. Here's the deal, dude. I'm coming, just I'm coming for you, fucker. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Dan's going to out 3D you by the end of the year. Fine. <laughs> He's so hey, defeated. He's like, you guys got to have goals, man. That's sure. Cool. No, I, I support that. <laughs> I think I've said that before, though, so you don't have a lot to worry about. You know, I was just thinking about today on the way home from Jesse's. We never, we never decided what the ball sack trophy was for this year, did we? No, not officially. Well, nope. we've had a we've had a few conversations, and I think we were we met to talk about it at Othello. Uh, we can, if you want to, uh, we can talk about it a little bit uh, if you want to. Just kind of, I guess it would be more of a. This is out loud thinking and not necessarily what's going to happen. Yeah. Type conversation. Mm-hmm. This could be good. I think so. It, go ahead. Well, we were trying to think, you know, because we've done the flight count shit and that, you know, and we've done uh, what else was the other one we did? Uh, uh, the PPP progression PPP. stuff. Yep. And it was always based on some type of competition. And, and one thing that we thought would be really cool and a little scary Especially for mm. someone like Nick, who's determined to never have the <laughs> greasy, hairy ball sack on his chin, is to have some kind of subjective listener participation. And you know, the hard part about doing that is what? How do you set those guidelines, or are even are there guidelines? And again, this is just out loud thinking, not necessarily what's going to happen. Should but we do a heli freak poll at the end of the yeah, year? It, exactly. Just throw up a poll. Who Basically should let get who, the ball sack? Yeah. The listeners decide there doesn't need to be justification. It could be because that's their favorite person or that's their least favorite person. Well, the it thing is, because we can, they think they suck or they're awesome or whatever. It doesn't make a difference. We could give justification, but when it comes down to it, if it's a poll, it doesn't matter. That's true. <laughs> Actually, justification really, is needed. No, I really exactly. like that idea. I like that idea. Yeah, I'm on it, board. I think it'd be kind of... I mean, personally, I feel that whoever should have, who should get it, and this is just Nick's opinion, but I'm game for whatever. I think that it should be more of like who just had the worst year. Like, oh, fuck you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) No, because no, no, hold on. So, yeah, go ahead. You go ahead and justify yourself, but I got something to say too. No, because because like the year's only half over and it's, I think it's an overall, like, how was the hobby for you this year? Did you set goals and reach them? Did you get what you wanted done? Did you progress in your own way, whether it be speed or this or, or, or just whatever? And did you, because yeah okay you've had kind of a bad run at the beginning of the year but that's not what i'm talking about i mean it's more of a just how did your 
how did your year go for you? Well, just to clarify, it's Othello to Othello, right? So the year's really just starting if we're doing. Yeah, and here's the cool thing about that is we, we could kind of set that guideline. That's That could be the guideline that listeners get to choose. I mean, they get to choose who did have the worst year based on what they hear from us and what. But then is that know, kind of a kick in the nuts to the person who had the worst yeah. year? I mean, that's a. Uh, yep, it is. I don't. I don't think it is. I think it's kind of a, I don't know. It's, it's friends poking at each other I feel, and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's one thing to lose one competition. It's all fun and games until you have a real scrotum with pubic hairs <laughs> on uh, in, your, it even better. in your, in your garage. Yeah. But I you see, that- I, I think Nick, you're going to position yourself such that you never have to suffer that thing. Well, yeah, I'm going to make sure I don't suck. But Justin, you could as well <laughs> position yourself. So could you. How? Yeah. sure that you don't ever have it. Because we you don't could... know what the guidelines are. So I can't, no one can position anyone. That's what we're saying. We, I mean, listeners know they can pick up on it when one of us, they know, trust me, they know. Listeners know when one of us is having a bad run, oh, whether yeah. it's, whether it's crashing participation, hearing us talk in the show. Uh, pick, you know, listeners can pick up on that, and, and it's, I think it's a great idea. I don't think that you know it's all how they look at it too, because one person could look at it and say, "Okay, Justin, you fail because you burned up like thirteen rings, you know, by halfway through the year." But the other guy could look at it and say, "Dude, you have way more dedication." to getting that going than I ever would have. So I think you're winning for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but if it's Othello gained. to Othello, then we basically just, we were only two weeks into the year. Right. Right. Got Is that the whole year ahead of you, Justin. Was Othello? I think, we, I, I think that I, yeah. makes that's sense. That's what we had decided, well, that's what I we thought. agreed last year because we do the transfer of the nutsack. Oh, that's right. Right. Othello. So really, the year starts now. Yeah. So why not in January? So see, you just got to get out of jail free card. No, Next. not necessarily. Except for what happened at Othello. <laughs> <laughs> see, that was dick. Like that, was dick. Yeah, brother. When he's down, <laughs> that was low. Oh. You're not feeling it, Justin. No. Well, what what are your thoughts on it? What do you tell think? us? Tell us what you think. I think that we should actually do a competition. I mean, we had talked a little bit about if it was a combination of things and maybe, you know, maybe the listener, maybe the listeners do have a part in it and there's a, there's a vote, like say it's a four part thing and one quarter of it is the listener's Ugh. vote. Let and me get my quarter of it out because the, Justin's going to go into a formula. It's complicated. No, but, but I mean, <laughs> that way there's, it's a little bit more objective. That's all. And if we're not going for mm-hmm. objective, then fine. We can do whatever we want. I say just well, okay, so vote off whatever criteria they want. The one competition, you know, that we were talking about with the Nitro Dan. What's if that? You, if you remember know. back to Othello oh, about now the, the hovering and the... <laughs> that. Now, you, okay. We're, and we're, the disassembly and the, you know. That's serious business. That's the one where you basically remove oh. one component at a time oh, until yeah. the helical flying thing. Yeah. 
You got to remove a part, then hover it for 10 seconds. Yeah. And then it goes to the next person. Remove a part, hover it for 10 seconds. Whoever can't hover it for 10 seconds loses. Yep. That's it. The, the uh-huh. safety police just failed. Sounds safe. Ray is spinning. He's just losing his freaking mind right now. Well, okay, you know what? We'll, <laughs> what did we'll he just do say? it behind plexiglass and way out in the middle of a field with no one else watching. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's put micro. a pin in this. Let's let's see if we can get some listener feedback. I mean, and see what yeah. they think. Right? And we need some ideas. Some ideas, yeah. Maybe maybe it is partially dependent upon what a list what the listeners would like to do as far as voting and then there is one aspect where it's a competition but i, I mean i i just don't know what that competition could possibly be that could be scalable to each of four each of the forums you know what i mean i, I don't know yep. what that yeah no, that's what's you. really hard because justin it's like it wouldn't be fair we're all working on 3d you're working on speed and rightfully so but, it would be really hard you know, to compare like flight counts kind of out. You think so? Flight count? Yeah, because dude, that wouldn't be fair. I mean, he can't go out and do, you know, we just did freaking 15 flights tonight. He can't go out and do that. It cost him $200 a week to keep up with us. (laughs) 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 So true. Damn batteries. Yeah. So I just say let him vote. I we should like put that. up a heli freak poll with this episode and basically say, hey, guys, you come up with the idea. What are we doing? What's the competition? Okay. You know, Let's I can also see like something really, whether it's partial or it's the real thing, like get us together towards the end of the year. Maybe it's at our fun fly, guys, where all four of us have to, I don't know, uh, do um, karaoke song. There you go. No. Or, or no. we can race each other in FPV. Ah, uh, never mind. That goes back to 3D. Wow. I was going to say, what if... You have it like a suck a dick contest, too? Oh, dude. You could bleep that one out. I don't think I'm going to do that. I kind of liked it. <laughs> or make like it the it. intro. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good first clip right that there. That is a great dick first clip. Said dick yeah <laughs> all right well we'll put a pin in it we'll put it up on facebook or uh heli freak and um with the release of this show uh i mean uh you guys have just heard kind of what we're thinking and you know if, if you can think of something to add to that or if you just like that idea you know uh we'll give it a couple weeks but i think it's something we need to get nailed down uh before the end of this month or at least, I agree. Yeah, so some of us can start winning. So that at least like 11, <laughs> 11 <Yeah>. months <laughs> worth of the year is actually known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of snuck up on us this year. I guess we didn't really think about it until it was kind of too, too late. Well, we, did, we discussed it in the New Year's episode, but it didn't go much past some ideas. Yeah. All righty. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get that sorted out. And uh, I think that, you know, and wraps up my week. <laughs> so, uh, who's next? Nice. Uh, I can go. I think it's fair to say that we all love a good deal. But why is it that whenever I need to order parts, 
I can't find a coupon code or a sale on what I actually need. Well, that's why I shop at Lower Heli. They simply have the lowest prices all the time. From my personal favorites like SAB, Hobby Wing, and now V-Control, to Align, Pulse, tons of other brands, and even a great selection of FPV equipment. So stop wasting your time chasing discount codes and weekend sales. Head on over to Lower Heli to get what you need when you need it. That's www.lowerheli.com for the lowest everyday prices. I did not fly last weekend. I most certainly did fly this week. Actually, oh, I don't know. Flying about an hour and a half ago. An hour and a half, yep. Yep. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, uh, a lot of flights. So as far as models go this week, I did get my stretch kit in for the 700, the Black Nitro. I have not, unfortunately, they didn't have the motor pulley uh, to go along with it so I can get the head speed down to where it needs to be for a 700. So that'll be on its way. I did get it all put together, though. It definitely looks and just feels so much happier like that's where it is like even it was pissed it was only a 650 yeah yeah it was like (laughs) come on man (laughs) yeah it was like that angry little short guy you know it's just like angry at Mm. everything in life small man syndrome big time wants to pick a fight with the big guy in the bar yep yeah Uh, I know that guy. As far as the rest of the models go, man, I didn't do much. I did, which I think we're going to get into a little bit later. I did some updating on the battery review, so I have some figures for you guys to kind of let you know where I'm at with it. So we'll talk about that later. Um, Tonight, I wanted to get in. I had mentioned I was pretty excited about tuning So that was kind of the goal for tonight. I had a couple things that I wanted to try. I went out to Jesse's father-in-law's place, Troy. You guys know Troy. Uh, So we tried out. uh, He's got like three acres back behind his house and some flyover acreage. Uh, So Jesse's been flying there, and that's the first time that I got to fly there. Great place. Uh, Had a blast. Went out there after work. I don't. Man, I don't know what my flight count was. Probably 12 to 13. Yeah, somewhere around you in there. You laughed me a couple times. Yeah. Uh, you got out there, got ahead of me. You were there first, but then I, I started to pound them in. It was fun, like a lot of fun. I got all of my goals accomplished as far as tuning goes. And uh, we, <laughs> oh, man, we, <laughs> we learned something. Nick and what did we learn? We learned that Nick and over like Nick needs to actually spend some time learning <laughs> how to to do an overspeed. Well, it, it kind of started with you were like, "Do you think you could do one?" I was like, "Yeah, I think I could do an overspeed." I've I kind of do like these little mini ones, not not the crazy crazy high head speed. So you're out there standing next to me. I'm like, "Yeah, just go into a loop and you know pull a little negative at the end, and there you go." So. Then you went out there the next flight. Yeah, and, and, and we were discussing, like, well, do you go here or do you go here on this stick? And it, it was just really funny because we were both kind of figuring it out as we went. And 
I came, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I've tried this like once before and I didn't like it. And I think it was because I didn't know how to do it correctly. You know, I have to dissect something before I try it. So when I try something like at the field for the first time, just with the real heli without trying it on the sim, it feels very awkward. Well, this is a reminder on why one should do that. Because I came out of this big loop. I don't even know like what happened. I pulled way too much negative and it didn't. Oh, I know where this is going. It didn't come down. Like it didn't continue the path of the loop, you know, to come down. It kind of like was coming around and it got to about the five o'clock spot. And rather than go to six o'clock at an angle, it went five o'clock, like straight down to the ground. And it went down (laughs) so freaking fast. Like I had planned on doing the overspeed at like 10 feet, right? I panicked. My eyes went wide open. I pooed a little, and I went full positive and caught it mere oh, inches. I mean, an inch, one like, inch, probably one <laughs> inch. And it was. <laughs> and, and the funny part is, there was no overspeed. Like no, it didn't over, even work. It didn't even work. It, just, <laughs> it was like. <laughs> <laughs> just like the biggest blade fart you've ever heard ever and i was like oh, oh. and i kind of i went weak in the knees and then uh, troy's up there and his wife and kayla and they're laughing because it was obvious like it was very obvious looking at this that it did not go as planned because it didn't resemble so, anything cool whatsoever. You're just like flying level, pull a bunch of negative, and almost crash. Yeah. It was visually the worst overspeed possible, audibly the worst overspeed possible. I'm still trying to figure out if the blade fart was louder or if your oh was louder. <laughs> it was close. It was it really was, close. Yeah, I, I actually thought that it was going. Like, out loud, he like yeah, it was very loud. Why, why, why overspeed, Nick? Because you, you've been very vocal historically about hating that maneuver. You know why? Because we were out there just flat out having fun, and that's been something that and, I and it, that has been. You know, I'm so happy with the models now. I mean, don't get me wrong; I've always been happy with the 570. You've been very vocal about that, but with the 700, it's just like I really do feel like a fat kid in a candy store with that heli now. So it's like when I get out there, I mean, I'm just having fun, and we were just screwing around with oh, yeah. all sorts of stuff. I I'm completely back in my screw off auto phase now too. I broke a skid on the last flight uh, just from having fun. I did some really nice. Jesse saw that one. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 180, inverted 180 auto. And that's where it's at. Like, you know, the 180 auto in the PPP? Yep. Yep. Except inverted with the roll at the front point. Like right straight yep, out in yep. front of you. Nice. Hit the roll. Well, and with like a 40, 50 foot glide, like just coast right before the roll. Yeah. Yeah, before I mean, the roll, smooth. too. Before the roll, yeah, yeah. just smooth, and inverted coast. And then rolled coast. right in front of us, 
and then brought it and then flew actually the 180 and back around. A little semicircle. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it was fucking dialed, dude. And I was like, uh, it's all back, baby. Yeah. So we're just, man, it's like I'm having fun again. I've got, <laughs> so I did screw up two technical things that I learned. One, I really, really dig that thing on 710s. Um, I am not, I, I don't get it. Like the amp draw is way lower than I would have expected. The ESC is really happy. I'm not flying with a fan on it. I might put a fan on it only so that I can just like back to back to back to back with like Piro TikToks. But I'm only seeing, you know, 140 to 160 for spikes in there. So that's not that bad at all. And that's flying it at 1930 on the head with a hair more oh, yeah. than 30. That's no big deal at all. No. Uh-uh. It'll do that all day long, even in hotter weather. Yep. And, it, you know, I attribute being able to go down in head speed. We don't really realize how much current, ESC current, comes from head speed choice. It's a big deal. I mean, it really is a big deal. Uh, my ESC temperature, dra- I mean, you go up 150 RPM, big difference. So dropping the 100 grams off, going to the 130, and then going up to the 710s, but also lowering the heads. I mean, we're talking from 2080 down to 1930. So it's just, I really, really like the combo. I'm really happy with it. So I'm going to throw a fan on there just to be just to be safe. Um, I also learned that I had done, I had swapped out the ESC on the 570, ended up having an issue with it. Um, we're messing around with some stuff for Hobby Wing, put the 100 back in. So I soldered and re-soldered my UI sensor. I have officially thrown it way out of calibration. No question. I dicked it up. Yep. So it you can goof it up by resoldering it. And I think I know what I did. Justin, you you know that that shunt loop in there? Yeah. I think I went up too far. Like Yeah, if if you if you affect the resistance of the shunt itself, you're done. That's how it measures the current flow. Yeah, and I think I went up on there. And we're talking about like on the order of milliohms. So yep. all it takes is a little bit of solder. Yep. Well, I did it because the readings are way off. And my, like, according to it, I pulled like 300 and some odd amps on the 570. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yep. And my pack like that is affecting, you know, the time. Uh, for my flights, it's cutting my time short because it's thinking that I'm drawing a lot more current. Well, and I even said that I'm like, man, was that a sh- really short flight? I hardly had enough time to unplug my packs and get them started on the charger. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, no, turn around. It was like two and a half. So minutes. now you got to go buy a new one. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Or I don't know. I mean, Ugh. who knows? Since it's all like I'm writing it off because I screwed it up. I might, I'm, I might, um, like try and resolder it, clean it up a little bit. Who knows? I mean, at this point, I have written it off, so if I screw it up, then oh well. Lesson learned, and that's kind of how it goes, you know? Gotta learn. So yeah, True. awesome, awesome evening. 
Uh, dude, yeah, like I just, I freaking love it, man. I flew uh, a load of flights on the 570 and the 700. Had a blast. And nice. it looks like Saturday, it's me and the kid day. Plan on spending all day on Saturday. You know, I've been raking in the flights, and I am loving it. Nice. Sweet, dude. That's good, man. Are you, uh, Nick, are you using the, uh, I don't I don't know if you are, I don't think you are. I haven't seen you using it. Are, are you logging your flights just for your own personal? Uh, so I'm not doing any sort of app because I'm actually, like, redundantly logging. Uh, how I'm logging this year is battery cycles because I've got them. They're staying logged in the bump controller. So for those of you who have one, if you're not sure how to do it, when you put your pack on there, if you just hold it and leave it, it'll give your pack count up in the top right-hand corner. So I can see, oh, okay, I've got, 18 flights on this pack or 60 flights on that pack. So I'm doing it. Yeah, that- see, that's really convenient, especially if you don't care how many flights you're getting on a specific model. Yeah. And then what I'm also doing is that in the, in the V control, you can turn on the logging feature when you have a UI sensor. So like on all of my models that I have a UI sensor on that feature is turned on and the V control saves all of them in a lump. So then what you do, there's a guy on HeliFreak that wrote out an app for this. And it's, dude, it's like the most amazing thing ever. You you plug in your V control, you click connect, and it just, boom, dumps all of your flights all on one screen. And then what you do is you click, like, you'll see the model name because all that information's in the V control already. So it'll say 700 comp, and then it'll actually show which battery that flight was with, like 12S500-2 or whatever I have it named. Mm-hmm. And so I can count the battery flights that way, the whole model's flights, and then I can actually click on that individual flight and look at all the logging data for it. Kind of like uh, very similar. It looks almost identical to how like Castles is where you can turn on and turn off other features, you know, current and yep. all this. Uh, so I just leave that turned on and that's what I'm using. It's awesome. I, I mean, I couldn't remember. I'm just so bad about remembering to log them. This is kind of like the no brainer way. Now. I, I like that idea, but I just, it's not going to work with my gas. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, that's true. Not with the receiver pack. So, well, that might not be true. And you know Why? And I'm going to mess with this because I was thinking about it for the 380. Like, I'm probably not going to ever put a UI sensor on the 380 because it's so small. And, you know, flight time, it's like it just kind of is what it is. I know, Justin, you had said in the past you just don't care about those batteries, right? No, yeah, I don't give a crap. So, but I know there's a feature, and I'm going to look into this and I'll report back next week. You can do, like, this whole fixed battery thing. In the vegan, Jesse, have you messed with that at all? No, I haven't. So it's like, I, I, and I don't, I just don't know how it works. But I'm, what I'm hoping is that even despite not having a UI sensor on it, I can have it maybe like automatically log 
each flight for each battery for that battery, which well, can, is always going to be like a receiver pad. I, I don't know. What I'm trying to remember is can you, cause you can still put the battery logbook app on your V control. If you don't have a UI sensor, obviously you can't log the current data and the milliamps consumed and all that stuff. But I, th- I'm wondering if you can still input the battery information and then, you know, when you plug it in, that's what I no, think. I guess it, it only, it only prompts you to choose a battery when you plug in a current a UI sensor. That's yes, right. but so I not. think that might be what that fixed battery thing is. Is okay. there no way to manually increment it? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's I, what I, I don't mean. know. If, if you could somehow, I'll find out though, Dan. Because I, I well, the 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 other solution would be to have a fixed number of flights uh, per, per RX like, pack. Yeah, it's like yeah. after three flights. Always charge. Yeah, you always then, charge. Like, and then you go and say, oh, I got 10 charges. Well, that's 30 flights. That works. In between trips to the field. In between, yeah, that's yeah. the key. Like, I always tra- make sure that my receiver packs are charged up when I get home. You know, for when I go, like, if I'm going out to, to on Saturday to fly Friday night, I'll make sure everything is charged up. So, yeah, I'm not going to get too wrapped up. But here's the thing with the flight logging, the app especially. Um, it's, it, it's, it's. I've done it. I get all excited about it. I do it like crazy for a few weeks. And then I just, it kind of turns to be a hassle. Like, oh, got to grab my phone. Let's see, you know, and then I got to enter the time or, oh shit, I forgot the one I put in earlier. So now I got to enter it and then change the time. You know, and it just, it gets to be kind of cumbersome. I mean, it's complete and total habit to me at this point. Like I just, I do it and I'm not even paying attention to do it. So Dan, what I did when I did, when I did do it, was I used the whiteboard in the trailer, and I just mm. used the the pen, and I just started making hash marks as I was flying. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. And then at the end of the day, or the next morning, just go log a lump I would so. go out there and log them all at one time. Yeah, that's an easy way to do it as well. Eh. Well, that's the other I'll cool just, part. I'll just, get. Get a sharp, I'll just get a Sharpie and put a hash mark on the canopy. Yeah, there you go. That'll <laughs> work too, man. <laughs> Nice. No, but you know what? Actually, be, realistically, Dan, you could do that. You not on the actual canopy, but go get yourself a piece of tape, you know, like electrical tape or something like that. Stick it on an inconspic- inconspicuous part of the canopy. And every time you get back to the bench, you put another hash mark on it. Pull the tape after whatever. Dude, I got or 30 it. Flights. Use- I mean, I used to do that on batteries all the time. Yeah, use I some doing blue that painters tape or some green painters tape, like the the two inch wide stuff, and put mm-hmm. a long three foot strip on, in the trailer on the wall. Yeah, but see the difference is with that small trailer. The only time I go into the trailer yeah. is if I need to work on something or mm-hmm. because the it's charging out of sight, station out of is mine. Because the charging station is at the end of the trailer. I don't need to go into the trailer to do the to do the charging it's right at the end put it on the door you know? then oh yeah, put it on I the door exa- doors there open you go. there you go yeah there you go Dude, and then put it just on your uh, transmitter i don't want to do that but i could put it on the door and just uh, hang a sharpie from a string right yeah. there so i, thought I there. think that's a there huge win that blue or green tape and then have a have a strip for the 270 have a strip for the 300 have a strip for the 570 because you could get hundreds and hundreds of flights on there See, problem that's solved. A, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Nice. It's not quite as sexy and eloquent as having it all on a computer, though. Yeah, but 
uh, and going through the data. Going through we like data. Go through All the data. about the data. No offense, Dan, but Put you're kind of more of a painter's tape kind of guy, anyway. So and I, a sharpie. And a sharpie. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Well, no. Actually, he might be more of like a stick and a pocket knife. Crayon. Kind of guy. A crayon. Just make a, no- <laughs> a crayon. <laughs> You know what would be cool is to not use, since it's a white, it's a white wall, right? The, it's a white door to not use tape and just literally have marked on the door. Yeah, dude. Wouldn't that be cool after a year? That or two? would be awesome. Actually, dude. that would Hell be yeah. kind of cool, but you got to divide the, like divide the door, put like eight yeah. different spots up there for, cause you know, for, for helis now and helis of future and just use Sharpie. I think you should. Why not? You paint over it. Yeah. That door is huge. Yeah. You could put like 50 helis up. Yeah. Really and for Justin's flight count, you could do like 80 helis. Yeah. Hell yeah. What was that? I think we're going <laughs> to I think, I think we're gonna do that. Too soon. That's good. Too soon. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, good one. We'll start that this weekend. Okay. And I'm done. After changing my custom charging case about 12 times now, I've really come to appreciate what the guys at Progressive RC bring to the hobby. With a huge selection of charging accessories such as balance boards, charge leads, connectors, adapters, case fans, and more, you'll be sure to find exactly what you need to make your custom charging system really shine. And if you're not interested in going DIY style, then hit them up for one of their turnkey charging systems. Just choose your options and you'll be charging in no time. Head on over to www.progressiverc.com today and get that spark back into your hobby. Progressive RC, taking charging to the next level. Obviously, because I was dealing with rocket shit, unfortunately, work has not gotten any better, uh, but it is what it is. I'm not going to whine about that anymore because I'm pretty much over it. Uh, anyway, the week prior was actually really good. I had the I had the day off that previous Friday and got the uh, TDR2 out to the field and maiden nice. and let me tell you that is the shit dude that helicopter i i i'm not even sure exactly how to describe it yet i'm still still doing sort of the break-in flights jan wants you to do break-in on the head dampers because it's an adjustable damper system but it is slippery as hell uh it is way quicker way quicker even at low head speeds than the Diablo speed is in normal flight. Now, I haven't opened it up full, you know, full bore yet in actual focused speed flight, but just doing circuits, you can't keep it from going fast. Uh, and I think, you know, despite the fact I had a couple of conversations about this with some friends, despite the fact that the canopy is about 30 millimeters wider than the Diablo speed, it's got far less total surface area exposed to the airflow because the, the uh, canopy is definitely smaller uh, if you look at it from the side. And the tail boom is thinner 
the Diablo kind of has that sweeping underbelly that runs all the way back to the tail case. Whereas you look at the TDR2 and at the end of the canopy, it's just a straight boom that goes straight back. Plus, it is designed to be able to handle up to 800 millimeter blades with that boom length. So I think that the tail rotor is so much further outside of the downwash uh, during a flight that you don't get as much interference with the tail rotor. So uh, I put a few flights on it. It's absolutely spectacular. It's really tricky to get used to visually in the air because of its profile. Um, and, and I think the other challenge is that because the boom is so narrow in, compare, in comparison to the pod, it kind of sometimes looks like a pod, and that's it. And I don't have a lot of coloring on the boom either. So depending on how you look at it or when it's silhouetted, it, it can come off as being pretty creepy. Uh, it disappears quickly. Oh, <laughs> not a model yeah, I would so, want to disappear. Well, we're going to see, you know, I, I, I think. And you know what? So, so if to be it does completely disappear, clear, I know where it went. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Maryland. Where? Maryland. Those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, no, that that's only if the USPS gets a hold of it. So, I, I mean, in actual more like controlled or structured speed flight running those kinds of circuits, it's not a problem visibility wise. But when you're just doing like large, fast circuits with it, man, as it turns through the different uh, the different profiles and orientations, it's it is a unique shape. And it really does take a bit of getting used to compared to any of the other models that that I've flown. And then to top it all off, when you retract the landing gear. Oh, man, it's. You know, a a lot of people don't don't really think about how the retracts uh, look in flight. And most people stop at the whole bitching about whether retracts are stable enough to keep it from falling over on the ground, like the R5. We've talked about the R5, those diminutive little retracts. But when, when, when the reference to skids go away, it's really odd looking for some people. So I had a couple of people come up to me while I was flying and comment about the fact that they, they get mixed up in the head because they're not sure what they're looking for. They look at the heli, they hear it, they see the pod, then they notice the boom, and then they kind of double take back to the pod like what, what what's missing? There's no there are no skids and it's smooth and clean on the underside. So just a very unique experience so far. Uh, it flies great. Uh, no, no need for tuning right now. My default speed settings make it feel very comfortable, very stable, very predictable. Uh, so that was a huge milestone to me uh, now. Let's talk uh, carbon fiber fuselages a little bit. Because I think you've got a little experience with this recently too, Nick. Oh, yeah. I bought the full carbon fiber version. So there's not a piece of fiberglass on this thing. And so, of course, this being my first real CF uh, canopy and, you know, full surround, I wanted to make sure that I had the, the radio 
set up correctly and the antennas put in the right position so he didn't have to worry about, you know, signal loss or any of that shit. So I did a uh, range test. And what that basically amounted to is putting the heli out in the grass and walking to the furthest extents of all sides of the field so that I could check uh, in real time what my antenna strength and signal quality is. That's a it's telemetry that you get by default on the jetty receivers. So you just put it up on your your homepage screen and it'll sit there and tell you antenna one strength, antenna two strength, and then overall signal quality is a, a percentage from zero to 100. And what I noticed was, and at first, you know, it freaked me out for a second. I had never really done, done this as detailed with the other models before because it's fiberglass. It doesn't make a difference. And uh, what I noticed is that at the furthest extents of the field, uh, out where the heli would be sort of turning around in a reverse half Cuban for speed flying, I was getting antenna signal strengths of like two, three, and four on a 10 scale, which concerned the hell out of me. So, you know, went and messed around with it a little bit. Then I realized that the way that the antennas are uh, coming out of the heli, they stick out underneath the canopy and then kind of the whiskers pop off in 90 degree angles to one side into the, the grass. And it, it turns out that when I went and flew it and I flew the same distance, I didn't get even half that degradation and signal strength. It all came down to the fact that I was getting uh, interference with the ground and the grass. So if you've got carbon fiber stuff, you, I mean, obviously, you got to make sure that the whiskers of the antennas are outside of the outer mold line. But don't freak out too much, depending on where your whiskers are. Because I've seen a couple of guys on completely different helis, like some of the carbon goblins, Nick. I've seen guys run like the longer antennas down the back under the boom and sort of spread them out along either side of the of the uh, skids. Yeah. And you're going to get the same exact effect of the ground and the grass and such blocking your signal when you're that far away on on flat ground. Yeah, it's tricky, man. Like hmm. it's it, it's it's a legit weird problem to have. It is. And I and it actually like it gave me pause. I wasn't going to I didn't want to maiden it until I got a baseline. So I busted out the R5, which at the time was the other fuselage model that I had at the field with me or not. You know, TDR2 is not fuselage, but it's damn close. Uh, and I went and did the same exact test on the R5. Now, difference is R5 is fiberglass, not carbon. And its antenna location is sort of where you'd more typically expect it which is right above the the boom blocks on the back of the heli. And those are spread out really far and have no line of sight to any adjacent carbon fiber. And yeah, sure enough, on the ground, no problem, nor in the sky. But it's it's serious business. I would, if you've got or you're getting carbon fiber models, you need to think it through. It's not as simple as just sticking the receiver wherever the hell you want to. So that was a good lesson learned. Uh, the I, I did get some flights in on the R5 with the 14S packs that Andrew Hinton Lever gave me uh, a little bit earlier in the year to test out. Those things are 
freaking amazing. So what I will tell you is the Gowie R5 at 3200 is freaking spectacular. At 3500, it's borderline scary. And <laughs> I can still go to 3700. Jeez. Oh, oh, oh. On 620. What? On 606s. 3500. Oh, my goodness. 3700. Oh, well, excuse me. Yeah, but hey, you haven't ran it yet. It might blow up at 37. Uh, it may. It may. And that's why I'm thinking it through very carefully <laughs> as to whether I want to go there. But successful at 35. But you, you got to remember, dude. I, I mean, when I when I ran OHB last year, I hit 158 miles an hour average on that model at 3,200. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Game changer. We still got some runway to go. Goodbye, batteries. Oh, yeah. yeah. No joke. No joke. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, that that was kind of fun. And then, of course, still working the three digi review. I'm now getting a hang of it. You know, I had a little bit of back and forth on some of the tuning parameters just because I didn't have a good reference, like I had mentioned on one of the previous shows. But it's getting dialed in. It is uh, very stable, very predictable, not seeing any weird tendencies yet. I uh, haven't gotten up above the 140 range which is where you tend to start getting some interesting features uh, if you don't have your tune set correctly, but we will get there and see what we can come up with on that. So this week, I did not get any flying in. Unfortunately, work has been troublesome like usual. Uh, however, I have tomorrow off, and I'm, I'm going to have to head into work early in the morning, but I'm thinking I'm going to get out by mid-morning. I'm going to head out to the field, Spend the rest of the day at the field, uh, basically with the TDR2, the R5, and the Goblin Speed. 380 will come with me, but I don't know if it's going to get any airtime. And then uh, this weekend is actually supposed to be the hottest weekend of the year thus far. And we're yep. seeing you know predictions down here in Seattle of like in the 90s. Yeah. So Nick and I have been talking, and I think we may meet up at my field in Snohomish. And fly all day Saturday. Uh, so uh, that that should be fun, especially if it means I get two days of flying in a row, which I haven't yet this year, except for Othello. And those were two shitty ass days in a row. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. I, I'm hoping, hoping to redeem myself on this. Uh, the 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 rest of the week leading up to where we are right now was kind of hectic. Um the heli that got burned up at Othello, which again, I can't can't tell you what it is, but it is now in the process of being reworked. I can tell you that is a painful sight where you do the initial triage and you think it's not that bad, right? And then you pull another part off and it's like, oh, shit. And you pull another part off and things start crumbling and wires just like fall out as you're trying to remove the component. So uh, I, I went back and cleaned up all the electricals. It's got parts. It is starting to look like a helicopter again, uh, but that was rough. NX-7, haven't touched it. Not sure I'm going to anytime soon. At this point in the season, we're T-minus two months away from Urcha Speed Cup. I need to focus on practicing. 
and make sure that uh, I do not uh, uh, have any situation where I'm not ready or the helis aren't tuned correctly. I did buy batteries, so I got uh, two sets of 14S4400s for the TDR2 uh, and the the other big 700 class speed helis. And I bought new connectors. So I'm running, I used to run the RC Pro Plus Supra X's. They were the, let's see, the X6, the little triangular ones. I switched to S6 because they have this cool feature where you can clip on orange pieces of plastic to denote when it's a series connector. And you can set it up with bullets so that with two 7S packs, you can't ever plug things in incorrectly and blow yourself up. Right, Nick? Hmm. Uh, you have my attention. <laughs> yeah, you, you've, you've got a little bit of recent experience with... I went a long time plugging without the, plugging any shit in backwards. And then, man, I totally redeemed myself at Othello. <laughs> Was it three? I think so. Yeah, three. One, yeah. one weekend. So, this, I mean, the connectors go together so easy. There are no screws like you had to do with the original X6s. They have the same positive detent, so you can hear the click. It's solid. Uh, you know, the plastic housings are nice, quality, beefy. They always fit smooth and clean, every single one. And then you can denote the differences with the colored plastic clips on there. Uh, and so I... um. I got a little bit of a shit for this from a couple of friends, but I bought a hundred bucks worth of them. See, and which sh- that's my problem. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Commence. Go ahead. No, I mean, 25 bucks for a set uh, for, oh, that's a, that's for the problem. a set. Easy. Uh, six sets. Twenty five bucks for six sets. Like, yes, I got a lot expensive. of freaking packs. And then just that that bothers me that much money. Like, yeah. Well, but here's the deal, right? I mean, if you do the math, they're actually less expensive than EC5. Yeah, but I don't fly EC5s. Okay, that that's fine. I'm just saying I'm I'm bringing it back to the basics with a connector that a lot of people know. Yeah. And still use, right? True E-flight EC5s are like $8 for a pair. Yeah. So, you know, Three sets, who buys three those? pairs. Yeah, who buys those? Who, what? <laughs> the actual E-flight connectors. Yeah. When I flew them, I did because I'll tell you what, all of the facsimiles sucked asshole. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, the plastic That's, was inconsistent. Uh, it was. It would break. The com- the uh, the metal fingers would never stick together correctly. It was bad. So yeah. If you run EC5, six sets is about 25 bucks. No different. Plus, I've got enough connectors to cover me for probably another, I don't know, six or eight flight packs, which will get Three me months. at least another two months. Yeah. Two months. <laughs> <laughs> uh. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's pretty much it. The The only other thing is that as we speak, uh, my buddy Keith Smith is prepping for the first ever MHSFA officiated speed cup tomorrow, Friday, June 3rd 
St. Louis Whirly Birds Fun Fly. And he's got my timing system, so he's all ready to go. And I updated the timing system after Nick bitched at Othello that I don't work in metric. What is this kilometers per hour shit? Okay, so it now has a new function where you flip a switch to choose between miles per hour and kilometers per hour. Yeah. Right on the side. Nice. And uh, and so I I kind of douched up on this one. I waited until right before the Memorial Day weekend to ship that. And I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal, right? It's, you know, two two spools, 900 feet of wire and a little aluminum box. Can't be expensive, right? Wrong. It cost me a hundred and seventy dollars to send that to him. One hundred and seventy dollars. That box went first class, baby. Which carrier? FedEx. Post office wouldn't even guarantee it for less than like two hundred because of express mail. And I've learned through many years that. When you want something to get there quickly, UPS is not your best bet. Wow. So had had to be <clears> done because I promised Keith that he'd have the system and that was that was on me. So it is what it is. Holy but cow. uh it was a twenty pound box. Don't try to ship a twenty pound box ever uh, two days select ever. <laughs> Just go ground. Just go ground. That's uh, at least one battery. Yeah, they bought the whole plane. <laughs> Man. At least a tank of fuel. At least. All right. I think that's all I got. That leaves Jesse. Oh, pick me, pick me. I'll go. When building a new helicopter, it is a relief to know that I don't need to worry about what brand of servos I'm going to use. Now that I have hundreds of flights on multiple sets of BK servos, I have no problem running them on any heli and recommending them to anyone. For me, they bring everything to the table that I need in a set of servos. Strength, speed, cost, and of course, looks. With the sexy machined aluminum cases and affordable gear sets, I definitely know which servos are going on my next heli. Check them out at bkservo.com. This week, let's see, so leading up to this week, up until today, it's a pretty sad heli week, honestly. Um, didn't do much. Cleaned up the garage, you know, kind of got the, the garage organized. It's been a couple weeks since Othello, but that didn't, that doesn't mean that the bench was any less messy from just kind of getting home and throwing everything back um, in the work area in the garage. So I did go through this last week and just kind of reorganize since we have such a it's a little bit different this year because since we have such a big gap between Othello and then the next fun fly I'm going to be able to make it to is Snohomish. I actually did kind of take all this stuff out of my bins and put it back into my normal kind of workshop place instead of keeping it in my typical fun fly setup. Um, so went back through and just kind of reorganized everything, got it all clean, nice clean bench, all the tools are organized, um, ready to go if I did need to work on a heli, which I did not this last week. So, and then last weekend, long holiday weekend, I ended up going camping. So, no flying, 
last weekend. But that brings me to today. And as Nick kind of mentioned, got in a ton of flying today. So I got out there probably about 430. Um, by the time I got out there, I did have packs charged when I got there. Get this 14 flights on the Protos and two flights on the Nitro. Nice. 16 flights one day. I, I honestly cannot remember the last time I got 16 flights in one, you know, one trip to the field, one outing. Um, I remember when that was the so, norm for you. I know. And like so twice how a weekend, are the 16 right? flights going, Jesse, like uh, what kind of flights are those? Are those just kind of screwing around and having fun? Are so those the, progression flights? Are those what what what's the flavor? So the first couple flights um, we're just kind of warm up, pretty pretty easy, low head speed, nineteen. So for for the protos, idle up one or bank one, nineteen fifty, bank two, twenty forty, and this is with the six ninety sixes, the rail blades, kind of my backup set. I have not ordered another set of. I think I'm going to end up going with the switches again. Um, so that seven ten uh, length. So running the six ninety sixes for now, but then remember with the castle one twenty swap. And then the lighter lower frame, I dropped about a half pound on the heli. So it's only a 12 and a half pound heli now. So the 696s actually don't feel too bad. Definitely better suited for the 2040 head speed. Um, Feels great right at that head speed. So the first couple flights were just kind of warm up um, and kind of where we're at. So I I posted a picture on Facebook a few times ago when I flew out at Troy's, but you kind of drop down over this ledge, maybe... A 20 foot loss in elevation from where their future house is going to be built and then where the neighbor's houses are. So the first couple flights I was out there, the neighbors came up to the fence. They were kind of playing around in the backyard and they came up to the fence. They're definitely intrigued watching. And then after the first flight, the father and son that live next to Troy came down and were chatting with me for a while. So did a couple little flights with them standing up there and they were very interested in the nitro. They thought that was just absolutely the coolest thing they had seen that you know fuel engine they're kind of i don't know car guys gearheads themselves so they they were they thought that was just a kick in the pants so that probably brought me up to five flights and then a few more flights were focused just on progression um really was working through and once nick got there he kind of brought this up too he's like you know we just need to do just need to go for it like Bring back the, for me, my strong suit is right pyro and right pyro flips. So right rudder pyro flips. So bring back the left rudder pyro flips. Start working on pyro TikTok. Start kind of pushing it a little bit. I mean, honestly, get some height and what do you got to lose? So I spent a lot of time um, working on the pyro TikToks. They're, they're still ugly, but they're getting there. They're, man, that one's just a tough maneuver. It's like sometimes I'll go out there and I'll get, Two good, you know, I'll string the, the the maneuver together two times, just awesome. And then all of a sudden it just kind of, it leaves you. It's like you just physically can't make your fingers do the move anymore. Um, And then the other thing was the left rudder pyro flips, which this one, I got to give, a, you know, a thanks to Nick because, man, I just hadn't been doing it. And it came back so quickly um, that... I was like first flight out doing left rudder pyro flips. I'm like, I'm going for reversals and started doing right pyro flip, right rudder pyro flips to left rudder pyro flip reversals. Not super, not super clean and definitely with plenty of height um, for mistakes. But nonetheless, they they came back pretty quick, I would say, um, and cleaned up 
nicely. Um, the other thing that was cool. So, and this, this was also before Nick got there. One of the guys that Troy works with at Napa, um, had never seen a helicopter fly before. And so they kind of, they were watched, they watched one flight on the nitro and they're standing maybe 80, 80 feet behind me, kind of up on the hill. So it's a lot quieter. The helicopter looks a lot slower and a lot smaller from up there. And so I go up there and I'm like, Hey, before you take off, you really got to you know, really appreciate what's going on here. You got to come down and you know, kind of stand a couple feet behind me and stand right off my shoulder and be down there on the flight line. So he came down there and, you know, flew the proto spooled it up to the 2040 head speed and did a pretty, pretty hard flight. It's one of the harder flights I've done in the last couple months. And man, just seeing that it's, it's like all of a sudden that, sparkle in their eye or the excitement you know the questions just start pouring out how much does it weigh how much power does the motor have what voltage are the batteries what capacity you know how how high can it all the all the typical questions and it still just kind of brings me back to that excitement you know when you're first seeing that first 700 fly and first kind of getting into it so that's always cool to to go up to someone that hasn't seen one fly and go hey why don't you stand right next to me while you're you know doing pro flips 20, 30 feet in front of yourself, six, seven feet off the ground and TikToks and all that stuff. So very, very cool for that. And then honestly, getting in the 16 flights. So the last couple flights were not, you know, not great progression flights. And I even mentioned this to Nick. I'm like, man, I'm just not mentally in the condition I was to get in 16 flights where you're pushing it extremely hard. Um, it definitely takes some building. You got to build up to that to where you're doing 16 quality flights because you find your, I found myself about flight 13. I'm like, holy smokes, I got to kind of start toning it down, you know, winding down the session at the field because you just find your responses are getting a little slower. You're not, I'm definitely not working on the new maneuvers at this point. It's kind of going through the motions, going through my typical flight routine and kind of fallen back into the norm, I would say, for flying. But nonetheless, still got in those last three, four flights. Um, and it, they were still, I would consider, worthwhile, you know, worthwhile cycles on the battery getting in flying. And man, we were, we were having a great time out at the field. So I got to say that personally, I don't, I don't know what Nick's thinking. I'm hoping that this kind of becomes, at least for this summer, and I'm really digging um, flying there. The the first thing that kind of points out that sticks out to me is it's private. We've mentioned in the past, public works is becoming quite the location for your dog walkers. Just people stop, you know, people stopping by it, you know, this way we, we definitely, when we go there, we know that no one's going to bug us. Um, and yeah, there's, there's just, there's just a lot of benefits to it. I, I really, really enjoyed flying there. And if that's going to become like my normal field, there's also some, you know, hey, what's to say I can't leave a 10 by 10 pop up set up down there, stake it in real good, leave it set up, leave a table set up under it, just flip it over, or break it down, just kind of things to make going to the field that much more convenient, that much faster um, and just making it, you know, so that when you, you decide, ah, I got to get all my stuff packed up in the truck and charge the batteries up, get everything loaded up, and then make the trek to the field. Just kind of make it that much easier so that you know when you get there, um, you're going to have that set up and kind of those convenience um, items already there. So 
Sure. Yeah, it's it's going to be good. I'm hoping that my my goal and I definitely know this is stretching a little bit. Um but I was I was just thinking, man, if I can get out, you know, with getting this many flights in on a weeknight after work, just getting out there with how late the sun's setting and how much light we have. If I can somehow pull off one night a week and one day on the weekend, I'm just going for two weeks out of the month. So try to fly every weekend, but then two weeks out of the month, get in one really solid day during the week, the 10, 12, shoot, maybe even 16 flight um, range. So I think that'd be, that, that would be awesome just to keep the momentum going and keep the flight count up, keep them coming in. Other than that, man, this is, is a good week. I'm unfortunately this, you know, we were supposed to have awesome weather this weekend, but got a buddy who's having a bachelor party. So we're doing a weekend camping trip. So I will be out of town this weekend. No flying. So no, well, take advantage of the after work flying next week is my, is my goal. (laughs) So, but it, it should be a fun weekend. Nonetheless. That's all I got. All right. Maybe we should... uh, Do we got any news this week? I think we do. Mm Mm-hmm. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. What do you got for news this week, Nick? Oh, let's see what we got here. So, SAB with a couple, couple things coming out. Um... Uh, they're doing batteries now. This one, I didn't even have a clue. <laughs> Blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just like, oh, okay. All right. I guess we're doing batteries. So, yeah, it looks like they're going to be, uh, you know, I don't really know. Like, I, don't, I am going to assume that these are going to stay these will be more available in the other parts of the world than over here. I don't know that for sure, um, but this flyer is based out of the Italy, um, which is kind of home base. The, the Italy. The Italy. I noticed it too. Yeah. The Italy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say like the main store, and then it just came out, the Italy. The Italy. So, yeah, it looks like most of the sizes that, you know, that you would really be flying. There's a couple ones that are kind of like, hmm, that's a little little weird, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I'm uh, I'm digging the 60C discharge rating. Yeah. It's impressive. Oh, yeah, you are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm liking that. Uh, I, I Myself, personally. Yeah. <laughs> I got no comment. Yep, I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. So you know what I do like? I like this. I like the 12S. I, I like the, the 12S 4800 and the 12S 5250. I do really like that. I think that's really cool to have that option. Um, Just because of weight. Anyone? No. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that's all. That's freaking sweet, dude. <laughs> Dan, you suck it. Dan, keep going, man. Tell it's, him. Yeah. I, I think they should have done like a fifty-two, fifty-five. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. now he's Ooh, just being a complete good. and total d bag. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so we'll see how those turn out <laughs> when they do come out. Uh, also, Kyle put up a little, a little kind of a teaser picture um, on Facebook about possibly a new head design coming out. Another one I know dilly about. <laughs> Apparently I'm That's how important you are. Yeah, I am. I'm just a peon, man. I just show up and fly and Yeah. But no, looks like a teetering head style. So we'll see. We'll see if, if that takes off or, or find out kind of what the scoop on on it is though. I like the theory of that. I believe Justin, you would probably know more I mean these have been fairly successful f- through the other manufacturers, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's done correctly, it is. It is very successful. I and, see. Bodos. You know, I actually saw a picture that, but I think Bodos is going to do one. Yep, Gowie's got it. It's been a staple on Henslid and and uh, Diablo's stuff for a long time. It's yeah. It it it's a it's a good approach. Uh, we'll see what they come up with in terms of the actual damper system. Yeah. I agree. All right. So let's see what else do we have. Ah, probably the hot news as of late is the Protos 380. Uh, looks like. Oh, dude. <laughs> what? Are you getting excited? I. You know what? I am. I'll tell you why. This, first of all, I love the way that the 700 looks. And the 380 appears in the few photos that I've seen to look very similar. It does. In, in shape, in layout. I mean, it's got a smart design to it. Uh, it's able to fly 380s or 385s. And if they follow along with the trend that they've got on the big boy, it's going to be a, a, you know, a reasonably priced, cheap as hell to crash model. Yep. I love my Goblin 380, don't get me wrong. But cheap as hell to crash, it is not. It's a, Dan, it's a 380. That's the point. It should That's be cheap problem. to crash. It should be cheap. It shouldn't cost like a 500 to crash. <sighs> what else you got, Nick? Uh, <laughs> no, wait, I want I want to hear what other people have to say about wow. this. No, so Jesse, what the news was is that it, I see a canopy <laughs> and a boom version for the uh, Evolution version. So now you can really make it look like the seven sexy. It's a dude. It's a sweet looking little heli. I completely will give you that. You know, what, first thing that actually stuck out to me that I, I'm what? a fan of when it comes to inexpensive models is it's got the one piece skid thing so yes i do think that's pretty cool i I became a fan of it i thought it was really cheesy for a long time i became a fan of it on the blade 700x because it was so cheap and ended up being remarkably durable um i'm a white skid guy they're white so i I dig it i'm offended by that you're offended that You're offends me, Nick. The white Get over skids. it. White Do you skids. prefer black skids, Dan? <laughs> I don't see color, but apparently you do. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That's all that I have for news. Someone put it. Does it have uh does it have the cool uh rare earth magnet uh yes, canopy kind of falls into place? Oh, does it? From the original pictures from last week, I remember seeing the magnetic canopy mounts. Oh, that's on it. right. Yeah, now, we gotta be careful like because if they use magnets as strong as they do on the big one, it may just rip the damn canopy in half. You'd lose a finger. Putting it on. <laughs> That is a really, I that is really cool. Still is, one of uh, my favorite features. Yeah. I can put the canopy, canopy on with one hand. Just it just falls and not take it off with one hand. <laughs> Cannot take it off with one hand, <laughs> but you can put it on with one hand and fast. Yeah. So that's all I got. Anybody else got any news? Negative. I've got a little tiny bit of news. If you go to, if if you happen to be a member of the AMA, you get their monthly magazine forced upon you, I believe, at least in digital form, if not paper, if that's what you choose to do. And if you go to this month's version, June, June 2016, they're in the helicopter section, which is written by Chris Mulcahy. Uh, who I think everyone knows, uh, there is an article on heli speed flying. And it's an interview with a good buddy of mine and and fellow speed pilot Chip Perrette, uh, who competes in all the, the major ones, Urcha, OHB, um, some of the, the local stuff as well. And he's the one with the twin goblin speeds, Nick. Yep. Uh, and uh, re- really talented pilot does a really good job, pretty much sweeps his classes when he does compete. Uh, and he did a really good interview, talked about speed flying in general. How did he get into it? You know, what what are some of the features of it? How does it differ from 3D? And I got a mention on MHSFA. So he brought that up in his interview. They got the Facebook posted for it up there and uh, so, yeah, speed flying is getting a little bit of press. And I was excited about that. Nice. Excellent. So that's it for news? Yep. Alrighty. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money-back guarantee. That's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. So we have two things we want to, we want to talk about. Uh, we have a listener question, but before we go into the listener question, uh, Nick kind of alluded to the fact that he was going to give us some updates on his uh, battery review. So we're going to go ahead and, let him do that. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to touch bases with everyone. Um, to give a little recap, I have five packs here. I, these are all 6S, 5,000 milliamp packs. I have a Pulse 65C, a Venom 50C, an OptiPower 50C, an OptiPower 30C, and a Revelectrix 40C graphene pack um, that we're doing the review on. I'm not going for you know, max current output or anything like that. The purpose of the review was kind of longevity. 
uh, while watching the IR numbers, seeing actual C ratings, an overall, just kind of an overall impression of the pack. And then the goal is to try and see how many flights we can get out of this. So it's going to be a very long review um, because it's not just, it, it's not just, in my opinion, about one thing. It's not about how many flights do I get out of it or, uh, you know, what's the actual C rating of or how much does it cost? To me, it's kind of a combination of everything. And, you know, finding a pack that works for your needs. Like we've talked about before, my needs out of a battery are very different than, say, Justin's needs out of a battery. He needs the most amount of output possible. And, I mean, that's the name of the game for him um, with weight being a key factor. Whereas me, I'm looking more for longevity. And I can kind of make, you know, like if it's only a 25C pack, Okay, that actually kind of works for me, but can it stay 25C for, you know, 250 cycles? Man, I'm a happy camper, whereas like that wouldn't work for him. So a quick little update. I am sitting right around um, about the 18 flight mark, 16 to 18 flight on each pack. So I've been trying to fly these as much as possible remarkably hard to put a ton of flights on five batteries believe it or not when you still have other models to fly but so where we're at right now um uh, i'll just go down the line for the pulse 65c i've got an um well actually i should say here's how i'm testing ir and and this is this is my method for testing um, you will get different results with different chargers. You know, whether you're using um, uh, a Revelectrix charger, an ESR meter, or an iCharger, or whatever. Uh, so, you know, when you hear these numbers, not be like, oh, well, my packs, I've got this or that. Remember, it's not, it's not so much the actual number, but it's a consistent method of testing for yourself across the board. So what I'm looking for here is across all of these packs, I know that every pack has been tested with the same exact equipment in the same exact environment. Um, And that's what's more important to me. So what I'm doing is I'm actually using my trailer with a digital thermostat in it. I'm keeping that trailer at precisely 72 degrees for four hours solid that lets the packs completely balance out as far as temperature on the outside all the way down to the core i am starting with them at 3.75 volts per cell when i do that i am putting them on my dual power lab and i am charging them at 1c now why is this important because if you start charging At higher currents, you will heat up the inside of the pack, making your IR numbers go higher, or excuse me, lower, excuse me, thus making them seem better than they actually are. So this is why we need to keep the current down, enough current to do the testing, but not to throw the pack off. You need to be really careful about that. So for all those guys who are out there like flying their packs and bringing them back in and throwing them on the charger and be like, dude, it's like a 40C pack, bro. Sorry, it's not. 
It's not the most accurate way to test it. So for me, that's how I'm doing it. And then I am kind of, I'm starting the charge. I'm noting the IRs there. And then I'm kind of watching the IR pattern over the first, say, five minutes of the charge. Because, you know, this stuff, to be able to measure when you get down into the, you know, say between half a milliohm to a, a, you know, 1.5 milliohms, the equipment that is needed is insane to do that dead on accurate, not to mention, I mean, balance leads, you have balance boards, all of these additional connections can kind of throw stuff off. So I'm just kind of taking an average over that first five minutes um, and, and figuring out my average there. It doesn't vary a lot, but if you just like take a snapshot of all your cell IRs at that certain specific second, you'd be surprised how much they kind of just bounce around just a little bit. And it's all, it's all function of the algorithm of your charger too. Some are going to kind of not refresh as fast. So you won't see that bouncing around whereas others you will. So at any rate, uh, down to the dirty with the pulse 65 C I am seeing an average cell IR of 1.74 milliohms. That would translate to an actual C rating of 26.6 C. Blech. (laughs) Mm. Um, (laughs) Keep going. Yeah. uh, (laughs) As far as I don't have the prices down here, um, I would call this pack a, air quotes, standard weight. I don't have the exact weight in front of me because they're actually all on trays right now. I need to take that into consideration. I would say this is an average weight pack. Um, right out of the get-go, the very first, uh, the actually the C rating did not, this one actually dropped about half a C from when it first showed up. So when it first showed up on the first cycle, um, it was 27.1 and I'm sitting at 26.6 now. Um, overall, my notes, solid performer. I see no excessive heat. Um to me, this battery is what I would just kind of call on track. I'm, I'm not seeing anything crazy positive. I'm not seeing anything crazy negative about it. Uh, on to the Venom. Uh, so the Venom started out on the very first flight at 1.86 at an actual C rating of 25.4. And I'm sitting at 1.9 now. So 25.1. Again, I'm not seeing any excessive heat during flight. I should note that this battery is consistent or considerably smaller and lighter than the rest of it. Although I am not particularly noticing less flight time. So once we hit the 50 flight mark on each of them, I'm actually going to run them through an analyzer cycle to find the actual pack capacity. But I want to be able to get a bunch of flights on them first to kind of to see where they're at at that point um so that would be kind of my notes there is that it's definitely lighter uh i do notice the weight difference and i can run i want it off the top of my head i'm thinking it's like almost 80 to 100 grams lighter than the standard weight pack across these so i can get on the 570 i can run it at about 30 uh, 30, 40 RPM lower and still get the same flight performance because of the weight. OptiPower 50C, very first was 
eight, uh, which is a twenty six. Uh, and, uh, we are sitting now at 1.75, so I'm at 26.2 actual C rating. Again, seems to be hovering right around that mark where everyone else is. Uh, wait, this one's on slightly on the higher end. Not too bad, though. Um, no excessive heating. Overall, just on track. OptiPower 30C. Now, this one's pretty interesting. Started out at 1.9 milliohms for an actual C rating of 25.1. We are down at 1.8 now for 25.6. So this one's actually climbing a little bit. Um, definitely lighter than the OptiPower 50C. And considering the price difference and the C rating difference as of right now, um, not seeing much of a reason to go with the 50 but we will see long term if that ends up being the case or not rev electrics 40c graphene pack are you ready for this starts out 0.99 per cell now we are sitting at 1.2 so uh with an actual c rating right now 31.6 the leader, as far as actual C output, by a significant amount. Notes on this pack, definitely heavier. This pack sits at about 100 grams heavier than the rest of them. It definitely comes down the coolest of all of the packs. Um, but the weight is definitely noticeable. I run about 50 to 60 RPM higher with this pack, uh, which gives me just a very, very, very slight amount uh, um, less of flight time than I do with the rest of them. If you're sitting on a heavy model, uh, this might be a concern because you can definitely feel it. 100 grams uh, for a single success 5,000 pack uh, definitely plays a role, especially if you're looking at a 12s configuration because now you're getting to about half a pound uh if you flood uh i should also note that on a windy day in high winds this is actually my favorite pack to fly um because i do i enjoy that extra weight and a little bit higher head speed seems to sit in the wind a little bit better so just wanted to give you guys an update where we're at i'm really excited to keep putting more flights on these and see if any of them start dropping off more significantly or if they seem to be holding because that's going to be where the true test is. That's uh, that's interesting. I mean, the graphene in particular, it's definitely got a lower IR, which will contribute to, to lower heating at the same current, but it's 100 grams heavier which is also going to contribute to the perception that it is cooler at the end of the same flight. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure how that plays into it, but those are, those aren't that great of numbers. I will throw my hat in the pot on the most recent uh, two sets that I just bought, which are OptiPower 7S, 50C, 4400s, four total packs or two 14S flight packs. Uh, Both of them started at about 31C for the initial cycle. And after five bench break-ins, 
they're at 34.5 C. See, that's interesting that those went up and mine for the most part stayed about dead even. And I did. I've never seen. Well, well, you had a couple that went down, although I would caveat your data, Nick, with when you're talking about when we're talking about a tenth of a milliohm, you know, 100 micro ohms. I question whether that is well below the, you know, the resolution capability or the accuracy of the of the equipment. Absolutely. So those may be about the same value. Yeah. You're right. But I mean, I'm surprised because these all of these packs were put on five bench cycles with Justin's discharger. So I took them down to an unloaded voltage of 3.75 volts per cell and then charged them back up at 1C for five cycles on each of these. Interesting. On each of these packs. So they were, I mean, as... As prepped, as good as one could prep them. Um, uh, so I'm just thinking out loud on this, and I want to think a little bit more because I don't have a good explanation yet. When I do my break-in cycles, I go to storage. Okay. Which I custom set at 3.87 to 3.88 per cell. Okay. Unloaded. You're going all the way down to 3.75. Five. Yeah, but with which very minimal. So like under load, I mean, the lo- no, no, I get it. I'm not saying you're overloading them, but your depth of discharge on break in is significantly higher because at three point eight seven and I checked it again on these cells. It's very consistent on the opties, at least at three point eight seven. That corresponds to about. 48 to 50% discharge or state of charge. Mm-hmm. Whereas at 375, you're damn near 75 or 80%. Yeah, I am. Yep. Yeah. With about right a two, right around a 2C load. That is fascinating. Yeah. And I run 2C as well. That is fascinating to me. Maybe there's I something. I wonder there. if there's something to that. Well, what we should also do before we really, I mean, again, because we gave that big disclaimer, it would yeah, be yeah. interesting for me to take your packs and test them in the exact same manner on the exact same equipment. I mean, that really is, guys, the only way to, you can throw stuff out all day long. But like Justin said, we're we're dealing with hobby grade stuff here. Not saying that it's not quality, but it's you, you know you have to understand where it's you're not a scientific with. instrument. Yes. We're not you know we're not we're not doing a calibration standard here. Yeah, so really that we're, would we're measuring be, some resistances. That would be the the only way. But Justin's also testing his. You know, I'm going to assume since he knows what he's doing, he's testing them in the same manner. Maybe not as I am doing, but for each of his tests at each point. Yep. So yeah, I I follow a very similar approach to maintaining consistency in charge and discharge and temperatures and so on and so forth. So yeah, I I you know I even go down to the point where I use the exact same balance and charge leads if I have multiple options for a given pack so that it doesn't skew results. Now that's probably overboard. I don't think so. But but that's you know, how I do anyway, it. very interesting stuff. I you know 
the battery database gets more and more popular by the week. I've mentioned that we've got, I think we've got well over 60 or so people who have access to it. And I'm seeing data go in probably at the rate of, I'd say maybe like five, five or six entries a week thereabouts. You know, there are a couple of regulars that I'm guessing go out and bang out, you know, 20, 30 flights a week on a set of packs and then do some measurements and come back and drop a new number. in. This is so like tuning variables. a nitro motor to me, right? It's not just the number, like find the numbers. Oh, that's it. Okay. Nope. Not a good pack because the numbers <laughs> don't say it, it's to me. It is all a function of a lot of different things. Go out. You know, if I see one pack that's consistently coming in a lot hotter than the other one, you know, that's going to allude to, hmm, okay, maybe this one isn't quite as good. Does that jive with the numbers? Yes, okay, it jives with the numbers. It's adding all of these things together to really kind of make a decision about that battery as a whole. But if you say, yeah, well, you know, this one's only 100 bucks, that one's 185 bucks. Okay, now that comes into it too. So yeah, exactly. And and I think what you got to keep in mind is we we can be scientific about it. And I think for those people that want to get nerdy, it's worthwhile. But what we're really dealing with here in reality is trends and relative comparisons. Uh, yep. Certainly, if you maintain consistency in method in your own house. Right. With your own charger and your own batteries and setup, and, you know, you do it the same time every time. Then after you've gotten a handful of packs under your belt, you can compare those apples to apples. Now, are they apples to apples if you compare it to Nick's when you don't know how Nick does it? You don't know what charger he's using, all of his different variables. The one, you know, sort of common ground we try to force ourselves to is pack temperature. Because that plays such a significant role. It still doesn't mean that if yours comes in at 31 and Nick's comes in at 28, that there's not enough error between the two measurement sets that they could be exactly the same. Um, But it's a relative comparison. When you take a step back from the numbers, what you still know is those packs that have lower IRs see less heat dissipation for the same current which means less uh, overall cumulative damage to the cell chemistry. And generally speaking, if you treat them well, no over discharges, et cetera, will lead to longer cycle life. So do I care what an IR of one versus 1.5 means? Probably not from a, from an absolute C rating standpoint, but I'd rather fly a pack that's got one than a 1.5. So uh, we ready to head into our next topic. You got it queued up, Nick? We'll find out. Okay, here we go. We have a listener question from Jason Weber to which I did not listen to. Did any of you guys listen to it? Then it's going to nope, be let's a do it. surprise. Let's, oh, let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. On the spot. Hey guys, this is Jason. I've got a question about tail blades. I'm building up a 7HV right now and it's a V2, so it allows me to put either 105 or 115 millimeter tail blades on there. 
My question is, why would I not put the longer ones on there? Are there any disadvantages to having a longer tail blade? What are the trade-offs? As long as there's clearance, I understand, and I understand in speed flying you want shorter tail blades, but for normal, you know, big air 3D flying, is there any disadvantage to using the larger blades? Thank you. Hmm. Nice. I like it, and we actually kind of had a question similar to this, not exactly the same probably on the last or maybe the round before that yeah. uh, of listener questions. A few shows ago. Uh, so who wants to take this one? This one is a topic that, and, and I, you know, forgive me now if I repeat a lot of the stuff that we talked about the last time a similar question was asked. Nick and I have been fussing about this for years, years, because it's a really good question. And when you sit down and think about the math and the physics behind it, which not everyone does or needs to necessarily, the answer is not always clear. Um, I think it depends on your tail ratios and your head speeds, uh, what you've got available to you in that. And, and Jason, unfortunately, I don't remember the details on the 7HV, I think it's close to a 4.8 or a 5. I don't know, it's, Jesse, if you know. It's pretty high, if I remember correctly. It's like correctly. 4, 9, or it, 5, yeah. 4, 9, I think, yeah. It's up right. there in the ratio. So, you know, uh, uh, and it also depends on what style of tail blade you're using. Uh, generally speaking, what we have found, we being Nick and I in our experiences, and this, this has gone as far as to, like, I wrote a, a quick little calculation code for Nick to be able to do apples to apples comparisons on relative tail authority as a function of gear ratio and oh, yeah. blade size and all of that sort of a thing. Uh, I think what we have found empirically is that running larger blades at a slower overall speed. Uh, tends to not all the time, but tends more often than not to tune better and give more predictable tail performance than small blades at ultra high gear ratios. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that does to a certain extent follow the theory. If you look at you look at rotors or or uh, even simplify it to a propeller or something like that. Uh, larger airfoil at lower total RPM will be more efficient. Uh, I think when you get up in higher speeds with the little guys, you start to run into tip effects. Uh, small increase in pitch plays a more significant role in in the change in load to the system. So from a from a math and physics standpoint, that makes sense. I would vote for the 115s personally. Justin, so I, I would kind of fire back at that and say, all right, so I've already picked my helicopter. I've, I've got the model. He's you know, he's already saying the 7HV. Let's say the tail ratio is fixed. You already know it's a, you know, let's say it's a 4.9 tail ratio. And, you know, I already have a pretty good idea of what head speed I'm looking to run. So now all of a sudden I'm thinking about spinning both of these tail blades at roughly the same rpm but obviously the larger tail blades are going to yep. require less tail gain in the fly barless system so what about if you look at it from that angle not from the well i'm going to re-gear everything to adjust yep. the rpms to adjust my mechanical gain but now 
going to spin them about the same RPM and adjust my electronic gain or the, the fly barless gain to account for the differences? It's a good question, and I think that's where you've got to come down to also potentially tuning your head speed a little bit. I mean, you know, even 20 or 50 RPM at the head uh, plays a pretty mm-hmm. significant role at the tail when we're talking about a four and a half or five to one ratio. Uh, and that's where, so, you know, at the end of the day, Jesse, Nick and I have messed with this for years. And despite writing down the theory and doing the relative comparisons, which can guide you initially, ultimately, you got to do the testing. Because it's not always intuitive. And I I can't remember the specific examples we've got, Nick. I know the T-Rex was one of them, where there was something about that design on the T-Rex 700 electric. It it preferred, or the tune that we we were playing with preferred shorter tail blades to longer tail blades. But more often than not, my experience is longer has been better. So are, are, are we chasing the last 5% of performance here? I mean, from a person that is relatively new to the hobby, uh, typically the manual will tell you what size tail blades you should be flying. I mean, these are not necessarily things that newer people need to worry about, right? I mean, just kind of go nah, with what's... I don't know. Nah, not at all. Really. I, you know... I, here's the thing. Should you run the bigger ones? I mean, if if you're fixed tail gear, you know, fixed tail ratio, and you say, okay, I can run 105s or 115s. Why would I run either one? Man, if the 105s hold for your style of flying, they're cheaper, they give you more ground clearance, then go for it. You know, I'm a little bit of a different thought. I, I have multiple models. I'm actually in the exact same boat. How about this? The exact same boat with uh, Black Nitro. It runs 105s. Oh, there you go. Uh, Dude, same tail ratio as the rest. It's the only one. Now, I know from flying many years of Nitros that with that gear ratio, I will be just fine on 105s with a Nitro. Yeah, with the the power delivery and with the Nitro. But it's like, dude, okay, I have... Now that's like one more freaking tail blade size that I have to keep spares of. So for me, I'm just going to run it on 115s because I've got the clearance and it's just flat out easier for me. More convenient. You know, but if cost, you know, there can be a small difference in cost that comes into play. I've never had a problem if I had clearance. If I had the clearance, I've never had a problem running bigger. So you're not really giving anything up. No, you're definitely not giving anything up going bigger. You can potentially be giving something up going smaller, but you don't know until you try and tune it. And then you kind of almost need to like fly them back to back and retune them both and then make a decision. And honestly, they might... they might both fall within the range of where the fly barless system's happy. For your flying level, you may not be able to tell a difference when they're both tuned properly. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of weird. They can actually have very subtle characteristic differences, not just overall holding power. You know, because like they, it might hold good enough, 
but the 115s might have like a lot more acceleration off center just mechanically so you'll go ooh wow ooh I, i'm not quite sure if i like that or oh my gosh i freaking love this these seem much more consistent pirouettes you know what i mean like through maneuvers it just seems stops like stops are another thing yeah stops will be completely yeah, different stops. it's not just about total holding power yeah yeah which is why the math that we've done in the past only gets you so far it's one aspect of it and then like i said at the end of the day you got to go test it Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, if but your practical point is a very solid one, and that is if you can get 105s cheaper, then fly 105s and deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And they do what you, know, you want. That's true. Do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless yep. you are feeling like you're suffering from a lack of capability or the, the model is just flat out not performing the way you want. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat, Nick. I fly 105s on the N7 and 115s on the Protos. What I have right now. And I fly 95s on the Speeds. <laughs> and 72s on the R5. And I fly whatever came with the Goblin kit. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Someday, someday Justin even... McGowie will fly again, but that's okay. Probably has no tail oh, right now. Well, so, okay, yeah. yeah, on the NX7, I ran 115s. Okay. I don't have no idea what size these ones on the goblins are. I'm guessing one fifteen, like thirty eights, thirty eights. I can swap them out between Stubs. the oxy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's that it's whole true. one size mentality. It's like just crank the tailgate up. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, man, for the question. Uh, hopefully, absolutely yeah, gets it answered for you. So moving along, guys, there's, uh, you know, we still have that call out. I don't know, Nick, if you had any responses. We're looking for some help with some video stuff. If you had anybody respond to you on that yet? I have not. Come on, guys. Oh, geez. Seriously? I thought you'd at least get an, it like a, a sarcastic email saying you're screwed. Yeah, no. <laughs> or I'll do it on my iPhone. Yeah, no. No, it would be kind of cool. You know, I might have came across a little intimidating with my request. I mean, we're we're not talking like you do this for a living. Professional. I suck. And, you know, I pulled it off the first three years. And I think well, yeah, what we're looking for is someone who kind of ha- just has a passion for it. Necessarily isn't, yes. you know, just someone that really enjoys doing it and will have a good time doing it. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, if you have a passion for something, typically, you know, you, you have a, a, your work a few ideas. It. Yeah, your work's going to reflect that. Yeah. Even yeah. though you may not have the, the, you know, top of the top of the line movie producer skills. You don't have to be amazing. Just don't suck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I don't, right? I don't know about your entire gear setup and whatnot, Nick, but I mean, I got you know, GoPro and some... Uh, I mean, we can help throw in yeah, some absolutely. gear, too. A little, yeah, I you know, did all you. of the first... I did, I've done all of them with a... Com, mostly with, uh, let's see, a, a Sony NEX... Yeah, 5. 5R and a Glide Cam and some GoPros. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Hmm. So creativity. Yep. If you need help with that, we can, we can, we'll, we'll figure something out there too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what we should we do else, if, what if should we, we can't get people, we should just buy like a shitload of GoPros and set them up so that they can hang on people's neck straps. And when they <laughs> register, you just hand out a GoPro. There you go. Like <laughs> do whatever you got to do. We'll comb through the footage. Nothing explicit. <laughs> Justin, Justin will come through the footage. Yeah, watch through Justin, the whole weekend from a hundred different footage. people's No, not me, dude. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the. Oh, yeah, that sounds guy. easy. <laughs> also, too, we have um, some apparel still in stock. If you guys are interested in that, take a look on the webpage. Uh, not not quite sure because I haven't had a chance to kind of catch up with Ken on where we're at with a lot of that stuff but uh, I do know that there's some odds and ends left and uh, before we head out of here though we should probably get some emails done I was kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit there Nick if I wanted to get in touch with you how would I do that uh, you would send me an email at nick at rchellynation.com or uh, catch me on Facebook at Nick Lynn RCHN. how about you Jesse you could send me an email to jesse at com, or you can catch me on Facebook as well. Justin? You could send me an email to justin at com, or send me messages on Facebook at Justin Pucci. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at com. Dan K. Reed on the forums and Facebook as well. Uh, let's see. Speaking of Facebook, I think we mentioned it, but we have exceeded the 5,000 uh, like mark. That's pretty cool, right? That's uh, pretty. It's, uh, it's a lot of likes. We appreciate your support there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a question about citizen card registration, you know, the apparel that I just mentioned and uh, other things like that, you can send Ken an email at ken at rchelionation.com and uh, he'll, uh, he'll get right on that. He's pretty quick. Uh, we, we're, you know, we haven't really talked about in a long time, the citizen registrations, but man, they're just, they're just steadily rolling in still. You know what I mean? It's kind of cool. I think yep. we're, geez, we're up in the 700s now, I believe, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. We're actually close to 800 at this. Are point. we really? Yeah. We're past 750 for sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's a, uh, we we appreciate that. Four of us appreciate that support that you guys give us there. It's uh, it means a lot to us. There's a, it's just, it's kind of humbling to be honest with you. That so many people are enjoying what we do here, and uh, we enjoy it as well. And speaking of that, it's about time to go. This has been episode uh, 235. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you on Monday. Adios. Later, dude. Next Monday. Later, guys. It next Monday. Next Monday. It's in the one after this one. The one after this one. Seven days from now. Mm. Seven Good days. Point. How many hours? How many hours is that? Just quick, 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 quick. One hours. Seven. Seven. It would have taken me a week to figure that out. Three. I don't have enough fingers. Three. Three, Three hours. hours. Three hours. At least. Yes. All right, you guys. Catch uh, later. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by... Soko Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, Spartan Flybarless Systems, 
and Superiority. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. Having like a suck a dick contest too. Oh, boy! You can bleep that one out. <laughs>